Hi, everybody. It's Michelle Jackson again here with another set of authors from the book relaunch party that's taking place right here on the screen down below in the author's lounge or exhibit area. You can meet these authors right now. They are waiting to hear from you that you can take them into their own a little chat room and talk to them about their work. You can learn how to purchase their work. You can learn what inspired them. That's what tonight is all about. This, this particular event is all about the author, the authors that are here with us to share their works. Now, many of us are self-published. Not everyone is self-published. So it's not solely for self-published authors. However, we are advocates for self-published authors. I am a self-published author of two books. One is The Heart of a Man, which was released in 2010, and the other is From Darkness to Night, uh, book one, Family Secrets, which was released February of 2020, right before we got into COVID. And that is why I started the Black Writers Workspace. I started this Facebook group, which went from, we started out with maybe 10 people to now we have over 8,500 people. Wow. Um, I started it because I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to sell my book. When I published my first book as a self-published author, I was able to go out to trade shows and book fairs and do those things. And it was it was very successful and I was very happy with it. But going into a pandemic, who, who could have expected that there would be a pandemic? Um, I just kept thinking it took me eight years to write my second book. It was that big of a task and to know that I was no longer able to go out and promote that book the way I wanted to. So I started the Black Writers Workspace, hoping that we could all as writers come together and share resources and talk about marketing um, and do some of the things that I wasn't able to do with my first book because I didn't really have a community of people to help me. I had to learn on the fly and I made a lot of mistakes. So today we talk about, we're going to sell books tomorrow. We're going to talk about how to write books during our symposium. We invite everybody, everybody to come out and be a part of it. But as of tonight, we are here with these authors. We have Jazz and Latoya and Aziza, and we are so excited. We're going to learn about their work. Uh, at the bottom of the screen, and I need to put that up. So give me a second. I want to make sure that we have the the next question of name two sci-fi writers who are exhibiting tonight. Two, you got Ooh. one on the screen. That's a that's a tip. You got one on the screen. Okay, so um, you can win prizes. Uh, but let's get started now. We're gonna start with you, Jazz. Tell us about yourself and tell us about your work. Um, certainly. My name is Jazz Matthews. I am a romance novelist and I usually write like multicultural um, interracial romances. Um, I've been writing for since I was little, little and um, everything has kind of evolved since then. But I wrote my first romance novel when I was 18, like full fledged. Now, I don't know if I'm going to publish it, but <laughs> I wrote my first one then. Um, I have posted my works or all my stories on a website called Literotica. Um, that's where I got my start and also got like a little bit of a following there just to make sure like to see if I could write to prove my merit and I didn't do too bad. So I finally decided to publish my my one of my works from there, um, The Rancher's Callous Heart, um, which debuted in May of this year of 2021. Um, so that has been a long time coming. So that was a long time dream of finally getting my work published. Um, I am working on the sequel. Hopefully it'll be out next year, depending on a lot of things. You know how life can sometimes be, but Hopefully I can get it out that um, by then. And also um, I am married and I live here in Texas with my 
husband and three dogs and my husband has been supporting me the entire way. So I'm glad for that support system. And um, yeah. I love <laughs> so let's talk about the the the, the uh, writer from Texas who writes about the rancher who falls in love with it looks like a black girl the white rancher that falls in love with the black girl okay yes ma'am um, uh -huh. my first book my main character is a white male as well really? and really? I don't think anything of it I wrote the book because I was having a bad day at the office. And I started building this character around a CEO that had really gotten under my skin. And I was in school. I mean, I was getting my master's degree. Now, my was like 34, 35 years. Old. I was getting my master's degree. And when the professor wasn't looking, I started building this story. Never mm -hmm. think, I, it was my first book. I never thought it was going to be a book. I was just writing. And the story just took off. And so I've had people over the years to say, you know, uh, well, I don't think that people should write outside of their culture. And I would go, well, I guess I messed up because I did. And I didn't do it because I was thinking about it from a race perspective. I did it because it was the character that came to me. Yes. It yes. drove me. It wasn't about race or, you know, I had someone to say, why couldn't he, why is it that he wasn't a black man? And I'm like, you read this story, you probably wouldn't want him to be. But <laughs> nonetheless, you know, it, it really, he, he has to deal with racism and he has to deal with cultural differences and right. so you know, I wasn't pandering to anyone but talk to me about writing a character unlike you and from a romance perspective have you had any fallout because that because he's a white character not at all um I've had I will say like on Literaka I did have a comment that someone had left for me um because she the character goes up to walk work at his ranch and she's kind of like the housekeeper slash bookkeeper and stuff like that but someone had attributed to her being mammy like mm -hmm. but um but i was just like technically you could swap her out with anybody this this plot will work so let's keep it moving um so when i came to like writing most of my romances have been interracial or um, multicultural in that way so i never really had a hindrance of of being told no, um, especially since I kind of was upfront with what it was supposed to be. Um, and most of my friends, um, my my two best friends and stuff, we, we had shared our stories, we wrote the same things about the same things. Um, and we had also um, wanted to, because at that time there still weren't a lot of um, romance, um, romance novelists who were black um that was on the shelves let alone people writing in a racial um romances too and so we're just like you know what let's go ahead and just like let's ship all our black women with everybody in the entire world because there are romances everywhere that need to be told and so it started that way 20 years ago <laughs> so i it's, it's it's nice that we don't have that hindrance now like it was 20 plus years ago um, so there's not a lot of naysayers that say that a lot of things because a lot of people have evolved and become more accepting. So I'm glad that that has evolved to where the that particular genre has um, blown up, as you could see, a lot than you saw than we saw on the shelf 20 years ago. But then again, a lot of our stories are able to be told because a lot of us are able to self-publish like we can. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. So. Aziza, uh, talk to us about this sci-fi writing. So I've I, I, mm. I a lot of people tonight 
And I don't know if you know Stone Adula. He is a writer. He writes um, under Journey of a Shadow, and he's here as well. And you know, you know, you guys are writing things that are just so profound. And we need more black writers in this genre. So I'm so happy to have you here. So talk to us about yourself. Tell us about yourself and tell us about your work. So I am Aziza Sphinx today. And I have to preface that because I actually do write in two different genres under two different names. So I am Aziza Sphinx today. I am actually a techie by trade and I'm a writer by necessity. So uh, the science fiction, the fantasy, the speculative fiction, that whole umbrella has given me an opportunity to kind of uh, put together with the whole idea of so many possibilities that I deal with on a day-to-day -day basis from the technical side and to be able to integrate that with my actual writing. So I have been doing this writing professionally since I guess 2000, so over 20 years now. I am a hybrid author, so uh, my first couple of books were traditionally uh, published, um, and those were actually my, um, I call them uh, African-American dramas. Uh, I don't really always want to feel like I'm grouped into that urban fiction uh, genre just because it has kind of been melded with the idea of street fiction and street lit and that's not what I write. Mm -hmm. uh, so from that perspective, uh, I've been able to balance the two. But in the last few years, I've been really focused more on the science fiction, the fantasy, uh, and I've probably within the last couple of years gotten into doing fairy tale retellings, uh, either from the villain's point of view or, you know, doing a dystopian take on uh, the actual, you know, fairy tale or just, you know, looking at it from a different perspective from what people are traditionally taught uh, related to the fairy tales. Mm, I love that. I love that. So um, I had a conversation with a sci-fi writer and I asked them what's harder to write, but sci-fi or fantasy. So I'm not going to ask you that at this moment, but I want you to start thinking about that. Um, you you are a techie in a world that is highly technical and i do believe that because we are touching so much technology now that we're going to start seeing more sci-fi writers that are african-american uh, not that you have to be a techie in order to write sci-fi but i think that being able to, to think about the world from a futuristic perspective mm -hmm. um, is something that helps a sci-fi writer um, tremendously so what do you what do you think about the genre and how do we get more of us engaged in sci-fi and fantasy the reality though i think is there are a lot of us already there what's happening mm -hmm. is that it's still that fight up the ladder to be seen mm -hmm. so you know there, there it's there people are writing it and even in general when you're looking at the um that are coming out of the other countries that they're using cell phones to make these little quick movies and that sort of thing a lot of them do have that science fiction feel uh and that science fiction approach but again it's the fight to be noticed and the fight to be seen uh some of that is because there's now so much flooding into the industry and um so, so many different uh, avenues that are vying for your attention that you know you're not just having to fight the the approach of I'm looking at a book or you know I'm doing something visual but you know you have games now you you have um you know mm -hmm. so many 
opportunities for your your interest to be distracted to somewhere or pulled somewhere else that again it comes back to the struggle of just being noticed so i for me i don't necessarily feel like there's not a lot of interest in it when i see the people who i'm um dealing with the people who i talk to people who are collaborating and creating these um these new stories and and uh these videos and what have you um mm -hmm. they're there but again, it, it's just the, the whole trying to um, break away and, and be seen over the so many things that are available for the mind to be drawn to. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we, we talk so much about Black Panther. We, we all saw it and was just like, oh, wow, Wakanda and this amazing world that seemed, you know, um, it really was empowering to see, you know, all that technology in a country and a land that that's run by us. I think we were all enthused by that. Like, wow, this is amazing. But there are there are definitely sci-fi writers out there that are African American that have done some amazing work. I think about Octavia Butler. I remember reading Kendrick, not realizing that it was sci-fi fantasy, not mm -hmm. putting it in any category. I was only I probably mm -hmm. was in. I mean, college maybe is quite a while ago. No one talked to us about it being science fiction. It was mm -hmm. just, you know, it was a book. I think that if we would have been introduced to it earlier, we would have and see more of us um, at the top of this of this genre. And I'm happy to see you and so many other sci-fi writers that are in our exhibit area. Uh, this is the first time we've put this on and had sci-fi writers. So I'm excited, very excited to see that. Um, Latoya, talk to me about your work. Um, tell us about yourself and tell us about your work. So uh, this is new to me. I am a newly published author, wrote my first book. Actually, I wrote the book following the death of my dad. He mm -hmm. passed away in 2013. And um, part of my process towards healing, I would journal. And I would take all of those that were in my sphere of influence along this journey with me um, as I journaled about different topics like practicing patience. And I'll put like these cliche names. I love to use um, alliteration uh, when I'm doing it. So in my the title of my chapters in my book is Freeze, Focus, Fire and what that means and what that looked like for me as I was navigating that healing process following the, the death after, after my dad's death, right? So um, this book, I uh, took all of my journal entries and I was sitting down with my husband and he says, you need to publish this work. You need to allow yourself to be transparent because someone needs to see this. And I said, okay, I'll do it. You know, so I went ahead, I put it together, but as I got ready to publish, now I wrote it and I was done with it in January of 2014, no, March of 2014. I didn't publish it until March of this year, March 2021. When I got ready to publish my book, it is self-published. When I went back through it, I saw my hurt on those pages and I saw a lot of fluff. So I went back in and as I'm still grieving, you know, I, I don't think I'll probably ever like completely heal, but I'm better than what I was. I'm stepped, stepped into my new destiny, right? Without that. And I took a lot out. And I'm a huge reflector. So I, just, I said, you know what? I want my readers to reflect. So this uh, book allows my audience and my readers to look at my view on certain topics. Um, have the I give them prompting questions to just to get their mind working and allow them to reflect. 
What does it mean to persistently practice patience? After I told you this journey about freeze, focusing, and fire, and just sitting still to understand what your purpose is, how do you focus and you get right to what you're destined to do or become what you're destined to become? I, a little bit about me, Latoya Dameron, I'm a professional school counselor at the uh, Chicago Public School System here in Chicago. I'm also a certified life coach. Um, I have a workbook that will be coming out really, really soon. It's my motivational workbook. I actually use it in my life coaching sessions. I do confidence coaching, personal coaching, and relationship coaching. I'm huge on that. And basically, I'm excited about this. I'm excited about it all. But this was my way to grieve, my way to put my thoughts, my feelings on paper. And now I've allowed my readers the opportunity to do just that as well, reflect grow, heal from whatever life has thrown at us. You know, writing is so personal, yes. so personal. And uh, even when you're writing sci-fi, if you're talking about an alien, if you're writing a children's book and you're talking about a giant, um, you're writing, you know, fiction or, or whatever we want to call it, urban fiction, and we can have that conversation. I totally agree on what you said um, about urban fiction. Um, it's so personal. And my book, my first book, The Heart of a Man, although the main character is Caucasian, I had just lost my mother. And so he is more like me than the character in my second book, which people would possibly categorize in some ways under urban fiction. I just say it's general fiction, um, family drama. And it, it's so amazing that I was using that book to deal with the grief that I was feeling. And so, you know, um, on the page, we've had these roundtable discussions around things like writing through the pain. And so many of us, that's exactly what we're doing. We're writing through the pain, whether it's romance or whatever, we're dealing with something personal uh, to us. So I'm glad to hear that you are taking, you know, your experiences and sharing it in, with the world. But you said something I want to talk about, and that's transparency. So ladies, let's talk a little bit about transparency in our work. Um, you cannot write and not be transparent. So Latoya, when you went back and you read your book, what was that thing that you read that you said, no, this is me hiding a little bit too much. I need to, to come from under the veil. So in particular, I think I got to like maybe chapter three and I would read it and I was like, you know, this is just too fluffy. It's not vulnerable i wasn't being vulnerable enough right so when i got to chapter three where i talk about the transformation i needed to let my readers know everything that i have transformed out of and where i'm stepping into and what that looked like and it was raw and it was it was open you know it was no nothing holding me back in that moment and when i read that chapter i said you know what this stuff that i wrote here just it was fluffy <laughs> for lack of better words, it just didn't show enough of grit or mm -hmm. or the the hurt and straight to it, right? So that is that was my goal. Like I need to get straight to what it is, so mm -hmm. my readers could step into their destiny. And what is the name of your book again? It's called Stepping Into Me. Absolutely, I love that title. Great, Jazz. Let's talk a little bit about transparency. You're writing romance and steamy scenes and passion and wow and you you said you wrote your first book at 18 
you know, uh -huh. I used to read those, what, Holoquin books and, and put them under <laughs> my bed and my mother would find them. And that was just a long conversation about, <laughs> you shouldn't be reading these. And I'm like, you know, these are the days before the internet where kids yes. are listening now. So we had to hide and, you know, and do all those things. But I am a lover of romance. I am. Yes. I love a good romance. So talk to us about you getting to that place where you could be vulnerable and transparent enough to put the passion on the page. What helped you to get to that place? Well, of course, coming from an 18 year old, it's kind of hard to, to say that without, you know, my mom just being like, what were you doing in your room? <laughs> just writing mama. That was all I was doing. I promise. Um, it was pretty much like a, a lot of just pent up stories within me. And I know like reading a lot of the romance novels I got my hands on when I was about 17, when my mom at least allowed me to buy my first one, um, was able to allow all those stories to flow out because I knew that I always loved the concept of romance because to me, love is such a powerful emotion. And I mean, across any scale, love is. Um, but to have that complete um, unyielding, like, loving um emotion where someone is willing to sacrifice pretty much their everything for you um to me always spoke to me as something um as a great motivator so it kind of influenced a way way i write kind of like that all or nothing kind of aspect of romance so um i can say like in my transparency from personal experiences and like how i um I've always liked to include little bits of pieces of me in my writing or things I'm going through at the time or things I'm feeling, things I've done um, to little things that a character might do, like um, a character might wrap a receipt around a credit card. I do that. So I will leave bits and pieces of me in the books to let them know that I'm, you know, that pieces of me are in my characters, even though I'm telling not that particular character. Um, writing outside myself um but i do like to be as transparent as possible when um when the characters or the scene has to become raw in some way or um or if they're going through something specific especially if something i've gone through i would like to write that experience down and stuff because it feels more authentic and real mm -hmm. coming from a place so absolutely great that's excellent and Aziza, tell me something, you know, you're writing fantasy and sci-fi and the idea of transparency may seem odd to some to think that a sci-fi writer or a fantasy writer who's writing about something that is not necessarily real, but you know, well, could be real, but maybe not real as, uh, as you know, a story of a, a man and a woman falling in love is not that real to us in many ways, but, how are these characters you how transparent have you been in your work and do you need to be transparent to write good sci-fi okay so the idea of real is relative <laughs> because what, what what some people experience and how some people experience life can be vastly different than how other people experience life mm -hmm. so the whole idea of quote unquote real um, and especially, you know, we're learning the science every day. Things that we thought weren't real before now are being uh, proven in the scientific community. Uh, and so, you know, from some people's perspective, you know, we're like, yeah, we already knew that. You all are giving it names, but 
<laughs> so uh for me like the first book i ever wrote was this one a moment for midnight um i'm an empath so i do what i'm told i channeled my characters you know i i that book originally was um 150 something pages uh like 200 something thousand words when i first started it and i wrote it in 30 days it was one of the things that, you know, I just kind of sat down and it literally poured through me. So that is my experience with the world. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of people who feel like they are um, dealing with the, the, the whole, they can go into a crowded room and they feel a certain way. You know, I'm not big on crowds because I can feel other people's energy. And again, mm -hmm. that's something now that science is proving that other people can feel and other people can feed off of other people's energy. People were writing about energy vampires for, you know, centuries, maybe in a, in a different way, um, masked by religion or what have you, because that's what was acceptable at the time. But the reality is that those processes existed then. And now again, we're just giving it names. So for me, um, the idea of, you know, the whole quantum theory and, and you know I think about um, I think it's the RZA who actually has a degree in quantum physics uh, when I think about Terrence Howard about how how he um, was able to create these pieces of artwork that generate their own light so mm -hmm. these are things that for most people you know would be out of the general uh, thought process but we have the science that uh says that these things exist we just haven't you know the general public hasn't necessarily gotten there and so some of it is based on the experience of life how i feel is how a lot of times my characters end up experiencing their worlds mm -hmm. uh they, they think about the possibilities um a lot of what comes to me comes to me in dreams and mm -hmm. I've had premonitions my whole life. You know, doctors tell me that doesn't, it doesn't exist. You can't know these things, this, that, and the other. And yet I've had people call me and say, thank you for giving me this warning because had they not listened, they wouldn't have made it to the next day. So, you know, these are things that my characters go through. And for many people, that is fantasy. For many, many people, this type of science is uh, not relevant or not something that they can believe in because they don't have the proof yet. But mm -hmm. as we continue to move through life, that proof is becoming more prevalent. And people are saying, OK, what was possible before, you know, or what we thought before may not necessarily be what exists now. So that's mm -hmm. kind of where I come from with this. It, it is me, my character's on both ends of the spectrum, you know, whether they are the damsel in distress mm -hmm. or they're the savior, you know, they, I've been on both ends of that and I've experienced that. And that's how my characters, uh, how they process their world and how they experience their stories. I love it. Show us some of your covers. You have the, some beautiful covers. Mm -hmm. So that was a moment before midnight. Yeah. I also do fairy tale retelling. So funky fairy tales is just um, four or five short stories, the retelling of um, a lot of those uh, traditional fairy tales. Um, a licentious storm is my smut book. <laughs> and just her, her, mom, her mother. Yes. So my mother was an English teacher. 
And Mine I, too. I actually, my mother had like Judy Bloom, like forever and wifey. So when I was in probably seventh or eighth grade, we just kind of, you know, eased those off the shelves. So, you know, my books do have that romance element, but it's, it's my mother's fault. She's not here to defend herself. I love my mom. But, as I, even as I got older, my mom would start sending me these dirty jokes, and I'm like, mm. <laughs> okay. So, so you know that, that early exposure to those types of things, you know, sometimes will get you to get into those those thought processes, and that kind of translate into your books as well. It does mm-hmm. for me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I uh, I love so much of what you said, and I'm. You know, like I said, it's good to have a sci-fi writer. Um, it's good to have romance, nonfiction. Everybody is sharing and opening themselves up. Let's talk a little bit about the process to publishing your books. Um, Jazz, are you, I know, I think you mentioned that you did go the traditional route or you're all um, self-published? Self-published only. Um, okay. I had considered going traditional, but was not sure because, um, I know sometimes, especially in romance, the field is so over um, saturated with everybody trying to get in a word. Um, and sometimes people have been querying for years and still don't even get past the agent um, stage. And so I'm like, I didn't want to wait a second longer. So I went ahead and took that leap um, with Amazon. I, so far, I've only done it with Amazon so far, but, um, but I knew that they were like the safe place to go ahead and start, especially since this was my first. So, so I just took that leap of faith. You know, I'm self-published too, and I love what you said because I feel the same way. It was the weight that mm-hmm. was bothering me. I'm like, I, I want the world to see to see this. I want to share this with the world as quickly as possible. Um, and the idea of, you know, when I went and started looking at the process of trying to get a traditional publisher, it just felt daunting. It was like, okay, yes. how long is this gonna take? And at the end, will my work be accepted the way it is? And so that was something that I was concerned about. So it's good to know. Um, Aziza, how did you publish your books? So I got suckered into publishing. I had, again, I'm a writer. Okay, so for me, here's my spiel. I'm a writer. I will always be a writer. For me, being a writer and being an author can be mutually exclusive. So while I will always be a writer, I may not necessarily always be an author. Mm-hmm. So I got suckered into publishing. Uh, my roommate at the time happened to be an agent and she knew some people um, at it was Cubero back then. And then it got bought out by Urban Books. So, you know, I kind of went through that spiel. Um, but she sent my stuff off and I didn't know. <laughs> and they accepted mm-hmm. it. Um, so my first my first two traditional first two books were traditional and they were both uh, urban fiction books. Um, uh, for me, though, I. I kind of go back and forth about being with small press. Uh, I've done some short stories with some small publishers uh, in anthologies. And I think for me, that will be the limit that I do. Uh, For me, traditional publishing doesn't necessarily work because again, I do what I'm told. And my characters give me their stories in a certain way. And I can force myself to try to write their stories, but you will clearly see a different voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've had people who tell me they can tell when my characters wrote a story compared to when I've written a story. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I I prefer to allow my characters to write the story. And that means it could be four or five years in between um, stories being Mm -hmm. written. 
And so self-publishing does give me a little more control, you know, versus having a contract where you have to submit three books within this window of time. And yeah, yeah. it's garbage. And that's mm -hmm. probably what you're going to get by that third book. Mm -hmm. I mean, the first two I had already written and it was what it was. Uh, that third book, yeah, they got what they got. And they passed it. I was more than happy to go about my business. Yeah. Oh, so, that's, it's good to have someone on here that's traditionally published so that we can better understand it. We're not at all against traditional publishing. That's not what the need this is about. We just happen to find that a lot of black writers, you know, self-publish. A lot of us have no choice but to. A lot of us don't want to wait. A lot of us understand that there are still a, quite a few biases um, in the industry. And we're hoping that mm -hmm. big companies are dealing with it. Uh, but it's not just that part. It, it's not just the, 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 the it, it, it is intentional gateway. And after they gatekeep, even if even if you're allowed in, that doesn't mean that you'll be able to retain your voice. And I think that has been one of the um, catch alls, too, for people making the decision they way, the way that they do. They want to remain authentic. And now you have an avenue where you can do that. So then why would I want to go this other route where you're forcing me to still tailor my stories towards your demographic and not necessarily mine? Mm, you know, and that's, that's you know, and Latoya, I'm going to get to you too about your self-publishing, but I want to stop with that. That is the hard part about um, trying to even get a, a publishing deal is that if I'm going to lose my voice, oh, then what am I doing this for? Because like I, I am completely with you. I wake up in the middle of the night and the characters are literally telling me what to write. It mm -hmm. just it doesn't. It doesn't happen, you know, I'm an emotional writer. I can't, I'm still learning how to sit down and just write eight hours. I've never been that type of person, but when it hits me, I have to go for it. And so to think that someone will come in and say, okay, no, that passion you put into that character is not acceptable because it doesn't speak to a specific target audience that we think will buy this book. And that target audience is never gonna look like me. I am always gonna be a minority in this country. So it's never gonna look like me. It's gonna always be the masses and that doesn't represent me. So that becomes a challenge for me as a writer to get my mind around you know, taking my characters and watering them down in any way um, to fit a certain look or feel uh, for uh, you know, for readers who may not even understand where I'm coming from anyway. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's something that I struggle with. Um, I self-publish. I'm happy that I'm a self-published person. I've made my mistakes at it. I, I did, you know, a vanity publisher that I'm still battling with for one of my books. But nonetheless, I do. Um, I learned from that. And this second book, I did everything myself, cover, I mean, lay out everything myself. Um, and I'm very proud of that. But Latoya, talk to us about your publishing. How did you, what direction did you go in? So I went self-publishing as well, but I went through, um, I got some information from several publishing companies. And the one, the weight of it all, it was just too much stress. I'm like, I just mm -hmm. want my story out. I just want someone to hear my, my anecdotal point of view on these topics and that's it. But the guy told me, he said, um, what was the last straw? He says, well, you have to sell so many copies of this before you can own it. And that, that didn't make sense to me. I'm, I said, well, it's mine. What do you mean? So that didn't make sense to me. So I, I waited and I went Amazon way and it was and I did everything. My cover, I did everything myself. Mm -hmm. so it was That's the best decision that I made. And, and it was just too much stress. 
Just wait. Well, you know, it's good to talk about it and to let people know, especially on the Black Writers Workspace page, we have so many people every day asking that very question, what do I do to get published? And so you, you, it's great that we're here to educate and to say, look, you've got options. You know, there are options out there. And so that's very, very, and that's very good. We're going to wrap up by talking about something that I really think is kind of the underlying top, top theme of the next two days. You know, tonight we're at the exhibit um, at the book fair and I had people ask me, why, what are we relaunching? We're relaunching our, our work. You know what? Relaunch it every day, writers. Okay. Mm -hmm. Re-release it every day. That's the beauty of being self-published too. Keep re I have changed my covers on my books. I have, you know, repositioned them, rebranded them. That's the beauty of owning something. So we are relaunching, not to, you know, negate the first launch, but to say, I'm going to launch this baby every time I want to, because I put my time, energy, passion, love, everything into this. And that's what I'm going to do. And so we are relaunching and we have our exhibitors here to talk to you and they're in their booths and you can go in and hit chat and go into their chat room with them and talk to them. You can talk to these ladies right now who are on the screen, they're in their booth waiting to talk to you. However, the underlying theme for these two days is why do black writers matter? And I wanna ask all of you um, to talk about that. And from my understanding, so you, the two of you, Aziza and Jazz, your, your mothers were English teachers? Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Oh, I love that. An English teacher is why I write. Um, yes. Who liked my poetry and she literally went through, jumped through hoops to get me into a writer's program at the University of Alabama. I was 15 years old. And um, I will always, always love and respect her for that because that changed my life. I ended up graduating from the University of Alabama, writing for the College of Arts and Sciences. It really launched me into feeling and knowing that I can do the work and getting me the type of, you know, the, the having those hard people to look at your work and criticize it and bloody it up. And those things really set me in motion. And that's one of the reasons why I write now and I have a PR firm and I, I give that all over to my, my English teacher. So, why uh why do we matter from the two daughters of english teachers let's start with you jazz let's talk about this well my mom has always been supportive of my writing but i also had like you i had a teacher who was like my eighth and ninth grade teacher that um was always supportive of my writing and i got into like a couple of publications in junior high that she supported and she was also a part of our or oversaw my um, writing group in high school so she's always been instrumental in my writing process and i thank her at the end of my book my acknowledgments because she believed in what I could do. And she gave me a writing book, utensil book. So she's just like, you're one of the few people that I actually trust that can actually go in and be a successful writer. Um, so I have all of like her and the tools for my mom and my stepdad to, um, to cultivate me and let me know that writing is okay. And not only that, it's that it's okay for my voice to be heard. Um, and um, because my parents already had like a lot of black authors that they loved and appreciated. But of course, like that shelf is very narrow, but you know, it was encouraging me and encouraging all my, my mom, encouraging any of her students to go forth and to write 
was to make everybody's voice who's um, who's normally not to be heard. So I'm glad that we are given that opportunity and that everybody is now encouraged now that however little that you write from, you know, your two lines of poetry to your full anthology, that it deserves to be out there. And why is your, why is your work not less deserving than anyone else's? Absolutely. Absolutely. Aziza? For me, it really was about exposure early on. So, you know, my, my, because my mother was, was an English teacher and she taught 11 and 12th grade, I was exposed even at seven, eight years old to black literature from everybody from Zorna Hurston to Amiri Baraka to, uh, you, you know, Richard Wright. And even as a young person, I was reading that level of literature, but I was also allowed to explore other books. So my, some of my favorite books growing up were choose your own adventure books. So there is not one path. Mm -hmm. And she encouraged me to be able to explore all these different paths. I started out as a lyricist, as a song, song lyric writer, mm -hmm. and then I moved into, um, novels and so you know feeling like i had my voice at that time but growing and progressing and then finding this new uh long long um version of writing and literature was something that came from being just exposed early on to a breadth of um, types of writing i love that um absolutely i grew up the same way i read Richard Wright and, and Maya Angelou and Alice Walker. And I mean, these were the books that we read in school. I went to literally an all black high school. Um, and so making that transition and then going to the University of Alabama was really tough, but it did broaden my mind to different writers and different you know forms of writing. Um, and I'm just so happy to have that foundation of reading a lot of black books though. I really, and it, it just, it, 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 I could see that in my own writing, reading those types of books. Latoya, why to you do you think uh, Black writers matter? So my experiences as a child growing up were totally different. Um, where, you know, my mom, she actually, and I recalled this after I published my book, but she used to write poetry and it was her way of like reflecting. So how I use my journal, writing out my feelings, she did the same thing. And I didn't recall that until like now, like, this time in my life, but um, I didn't grow up in in a household or in an environment where you can freely express yourself. I had to escape by reading my books, and not that I read them, you know, out in the open. Like I would, it was like teen years in my room because I didn't know how to process my feelings in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. So I would read these books to escape and become the characters in those books. Um, my romance uh, novels that I would read all the time um, and I would begin to journal. So I knew that that was for me because when I released on that paper, my journal entries, my thoughts, I felt free in that moment. And now I get to not only do the same thing and encourage that, that with my daughter, hey, you can feel this way. Let's write it out. Let's talk it out. I can encourage that. And although it wasn't done for me, I know better and I know how free I felt after doing that. And yeah. I can also encourage that same thing with my students. So we journal and, and get our thoughts out. Our voice matters because our feelings matter, right? And they, they need to be heard. I have uh, this seminar or this um, 
conference that I'm going to be a part of. And the title of my piece is The Rebirth of the Inner Beast. You have so much in that belly. And it's time now. This time, more than ever, it's necessary. So my myself, my daughter, and all the little kids on the south side of Chicago in which I teach and able to positively impact, they get to know that because of women like you and platforms like this. Oh, wow. Perfect last words for a wonderful interview with three dynamic women who are writing and being transparent and expressing themselves. And I am just happy to know you. I, I um, am really proud to have had this opportunity to connect with so many writers. I was just telling someone the first time I wrote a book, it was lonely because there weren't many people writing around me. And so I was kind of trying to figure it all out. This time I've got a community of 8,500 people and I'm reading and I'm connecting and I'm interviewing people. And it just feels like it's like it feels like God is just really blessing me at this moment. And I'm really grateful for that. So thank you, ladies, so much for being a part of this event. I do encourage everyone to go and visit them in their booth. I encourage you also to buy their books, buy the books. That's what we're here to do. So don't leave tonight without buying all of these amazing books. And um, no matter what genre you're looking for, we have it here tonight. And, you know, without you, we can't be successful in what we do. We, we write because we want our readers to be happy. And so, you know, you've got to read our work to even get to that place of joy and happiness. So please support us and please support these ladies going forward. Thank you guys so much. Let's say goodbye to everyone. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye bye, everyone.